Welcome everyone to the third episode of POV Crypto. I'm David Hoffman here with my buddy Christian. Christian, how's it going? Hey, how's it going, David? Uh, what is today? Tuesday, August 28th. It's a, it's a green day in crypto, so I guess that's good. Green day on a blood red month. Um, Bitcoin dominance has come back up to 53%, which is interesting. Just holding above the $7,000 mark. Um, decent volume on this green day, but you know, doesn't not enough to uh, repair the wounds. Definitely not. Um, but I mean, Bitcoin's definitely holding that hundred million dollar, sorry, hundred billion dollar market cap line mm-hmm. very strongly. Healthily. Yeah, so I guess um, that's a silver lining there. But pretty much everything else is looking very pathetic. Yeah, yeah. It's just the prices is just not not a fun topic at the moment, and we you can kind of see that in the ecosystem as well activity on reddit like i don't go down to reddit anymore to converse with people about crypto christian you and i were in a little facebook group messenger chat about 10 12 people in it and the activity on that has slowly kind of bled away as prices have gone down it's interesting just to see the the sentiment of everyone and how that's reflected by the price or vice versa yeah, um, it's definitely definitely not easy to stomach, but at the same time, you know, those who are who are sticking around and accumulating at, at these prices, and um, when you know optimism and hype is at at this low, um, you know, I think that those are the people who get rewarded the most. I'm kind of scrolling down the the top 100 list right now on Coin Market Cap, and it's pretty crazy to see some of these prices like neo gas wasn't that like almost 60 dollars at one point yeah yes it was (laughs) it's seven dollars right now (laughs) what's neo at oh man neo's been hurting yeah Uh, neo's at 20 dollars that's god it was four dollars when it was ant share so it was still a good purchase but still yeah what was it like 180 at the top Oh yeah, I mean, I definitely started looking at Neo when it was a hundred, so mm-hmm. that was a, mm-hmm. a deadly fall from that point. Litecoin at sixty one. I've never, I never thought I'd see Omise go at, at sub five dollars, but yet here we are, yeah. bouncing between three and four. <laughs> I remember the seventeen dollar Omise go. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh well. You know. You wins and loses like you said the time is the current time is the time of accumulation which is a boring time but it pays off in the future gotcha so what's kind of your accumulation strategy right now david um well i'm putting putting crypto on pause like like everyone else at the moment as i i buy quality of life improvements in my actual life um, looking to get a new apartment as well as a new pet as a, a nice little companion. So that's my accumulation strategy in the short term. <laughs> uh, in the in the long term, however, I'm looking to get um, a Bitcoin miner or two and just tuck it somewhere in my dad's house where he won't listen to it or hear it. He's kind of hard of hearing, so that helps. Um, and uh, and that's that's my short term accumulation strategy as well is uh, just buying two miners and running them into the ground. Yep. I mean, honestly, I feel like when it comes to Bitcoin mining or even, you know, any sort of mining, if you have to, you know, be profitable every single month, 
gets tough. It gets tough to keep that operation going. But mm-hmm. in the long term, you know, if you don't mind losing money, you know, month to, you know month month by month, in the long term, you know those those kind of uh, anonymous coins that you mined into a wallet um, could be worth a lot lot more um, than you know the the month to month profitability number that you see in a lot of these kind of mining Absolutely. pools. That was my strategy with Ether is while I was um, going through school and, and not having too much money to actually buy Ether, I had my mining computers. And so if you, if you did the math right, um, mining Ether uh, when it, the price was higher than it was now, but mining Ether cost me like $175 of electricity for mining one Ether. And so at whatever price ether was at, I was basically putting $175 a month into, into crypto, but I was uh, getting like whatever the price of ether was at, at what as a return. And so if ether was $600, I would every month I would be allowed to buy $175 ether that was worth $600 thanks to my mining computer. So it's kind of like perpetual, um, passive investing that you don't actually have to, um, you know, you don't have to send any money to Gemini or Coinbase. It's just it happens automatically through your electricity bill, and you get to buy uh, buy things at a discounted rate. That's kind of how I perceived it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I think you know, ultimately, again, it's this is where cryptocurrency gets really, really awesome. Is that you can convert electricity into you know a tradable asset, and it's no KYC you know, nothing. It's just a completely anonymous asset that's accumulating in an anonymous wallet. And unless you as the user kind of blow it for yourself, you know, that stuff is just totally, um, you know, it's just totally unknown who owns that asset, which is freaking awesome. So, you know, I just spun up, uh, you know, I generated uh, an address on my Trezor, you know, got a couple mining miners going up on NiceHash and it's just pumping money into that address. And, you know, mm-hmm. there's really nothing that's connecting it to me, which is awesome. Yeah, just just forget about it and let it happen, and see how much uh, see how much that wallet balance grows into. It's like a little savings account. Yep, yep. Um, yeah. So, with that being said, uh, you know, it sounds like uh, you've had a little bit of a career move. Um, still in crypto, but would love to Quite. hear about uh, what, what's happening with you uh, over there in Seattle, David. Yeah, so uh, unfortunately, New Alchemy had some reckless spending habits and had to uh, cut out about seventy percent of their employees, um, and so I was one of the one of the seventy percent that that was laid off. Around me and me and my um, my friend Michael, who who we all know from from school. And uh, we got picked up by a company called uh, Bunker Capital, which uh, is basically doing the same thing, which is uh, consulting for ICOs, um, producing white papers, producing token economics, um, doing community management uh, and and some marketing. Uh, So it's basically the same business model. But now instead of a company with 110, we're a company of 30. Um, So I get a little bit more flexibility with what I do. um, And Michael gets to take charge of the whole community management team. And we basically have uh, uh, free reign over over the choices we make, which is really, really nice. Uh, The guy that started the company, his name's Greg. He's been mining Bitcoin forever. He's been in the space a long time. Uh, Greg Backrack. Back, back rack. 
pretty pretty nice guy. I, I enjoy him as my boss. He actually gave me a, uh, a interesting uh, counter argument to the velocity problem, which I have said a lot about in in crypt chat and uh, with my advice on on token e- economics. Um, so let's talk about that. Let's go into that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I've been bringing up the velocity thing as a reason why you know altcoins won't. A lot of altcoins won't. Um, you know, appreciate in value in the long term is because, um, for example, XRP, they're, you know, Ripple's constantly talking about how XRP is supposed to be a settlement currency and, you know, banks will have $100 to want to send the $100 to another bank. So with the $100, they buy XRP, send the XRP really fast, sell super fast, and then immediately the bank sells that XRP for, for $100, right? So, um, if it's just used for this kind of like in between buying and selling really fast, um, it won't actually accrue and hold value, um, just because it's not something that people want to hold. Exactly, and we can see this the same model across so many tokens. Uh, basic attention token has this has this structure. The Golem uh, token has this structure. Any token that uh, is used to access some sort of decentralized network. Um, pay for services to other people and then those other people immediately turn around and sell the token back for money is ba- basically the 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 velocity problem uh so what uh my boss has said is that uh instead the the value of the token will always be propped up by a pool of speculators as we know and see today like in the current current markets um so two scenarios can come out of this one is uh, Golem, the Golem team, for example, if you use Golem as, a, as an example, um, says that they are done with the project and they've done everything that they've needed to do to create a decentralized computing uh, system. And they've integrated CPU um, computing, they've integrated GPU computing, computing, there's nothing left for them to do, and they announce that they are stepping back from the project. Well, then all the speculators have nothing to speculate on and so they sell all of their tokens and then we have the velocity problem. Alternatively, the Gollum development team uh, can always be innovating and developing the, uh, the Gollum network and so the Gollum uh, token can will uh, perpetually be used to access more and more features over time and developers can like basically hand off development over time and more developers can join and instead of it being simply a payment token where somebody buys it, pays for services, and then the receiver sells it, it can turn into something that's more along the lines of shares of a company or shares of some like mutual vision of all the, the Golem token holders. So you retain the speculators because they think that uh, they can hold on to the, to the token until all these new features are coming around that make the platform more valuable than what it is today. Uh, so you retain the speculators and you retain the increasing prices based on the features being added to the platform. The only issue is that you can never have a completed project. And so for a token to continue to gain value, people have to be developing on the token repeatedly or else um, because you always have to have speculation. And if you lose the specul- speculators, you will lose the only thing that's slowing down the velocity of the token as a whole. So I thought that was a, an interesting rebuttal to the to the um, to the velocity issue. Gotcha. Well, I mean, in in Bitcoin circles, a lot of times they kind of talk about hodlers of last resort. Um, you know, these kind of people that value the scarcity that Bitcoin 
um, brings beyond all else, and they're gonna hold the floor. If the if the price starts crashing, they're gonna be there to buy it up and keep uh, mm-hmm. and keep the scarcity. Um, so that definitely de- kind of describes you know these hodlers of last resort. They're holding onto the onto the Bitcoin. They're um, you know they are anticipating new features, new utility, new adoption. They're anticipating you know the black hole sucking up all the value. Um, so that's why they're willing to you know hold the floor. And hopefully they haven't invested more than they can lose. That's true. Don't don't put yourself in a position to get wrecked, guys. Ray Dalio's best advice. I need to read that book. Yeah, dude. Principles. That's a fire book. Yeah, except I, I can only read books on Audible now, so I'm kind of stuck with that. So. Okay, but well, that's a I didn't issue. read it. I listened to it. So. Oh, did you? Yeah. Uh, then I have no excuse. Yeah, it was a good listen. That's for sure. One of my biggest pet peeves is when people say that they read something that they actually listened to. It's like, it's not the same, people. <laughs> it's Well, I, I have to listen to a book two or three times to get the full enjoyment out of it. Because I always will miss stuff. Have you read or listened to any uh, any crypto books late, uh, recently? No, not recently. And that's because I read all the good ones at the very, very start of my venture into crypto. And so there aren't, there aren't any left to read. Um Let's see. I'm I'm pulling up my Audible. I read um, Digital Gold, which was the 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 story of Bitcoin, basically. Um, blockchain Revolution, the Business Blockchain, Internet of Money, Volumes One of Two, One and Two, The Truth Machine. Um, and then I started to touch on less crypto, but still related topics, such as uh, the inevitable, which is like talking about the inevitable technological futures that are coming about. Still very relevant to crypto. Uh, and then also radical markets where everything is a liquid token that could be purchased in theory. Um, and then also zero to one, which is about startups. So my, my entire audible library has been all like tech and crypto based. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, the, uh, I, I definitely read a handful of those books, but, um, shoot, well, I'm, I'm totally blanking out. What was I going to say? All right, whatever. Moving on. Um, <laughs> So, uh, you know, kind of on our on our agenda over here, we, we wanted to kind of talk about a lot of, you know, what the these like crypto and blockchain sphere, what digital bear assets are doing to our definition of, um, you know, what an asset can be. Right. So in like kind of traditional, um, you know, the past um, things were, you know, either physical assets or they were paper derivatives of physical assets, or they were equity in a company. Um, but um, with tokens and blockchain and these kind of like digital scarce, um, you know, tokens or assets, uh, it's really, you know, thrown a wrench at a lot of these like mental models and, and definitions. Um, so I know that you wrote a paper about this recently and put together kind of a diagram. Would love to kind of you know, learn a little bit more about the topic of your paper and, and, you know, your discussion there. Absolutely. And yeah, you're, you're totally right. You hit the nail on the head. Cryptocurrency has, has just really blurred the lines of what a digital asset can be. And that's just kind of the, the power of smart contracts. Anything that you can make an asset in the real life can be made into an asset on, on, on a blockchain with smart contracts. Uh, and so you can, you can code any asset to behave in any particular way that you see fit. 
Um, so when it comes to defining what cryptocurrencies actually are, we have to come up with some sort of um, model to be able to place cryptocurrencies into. And I think I've come up with a, a way that we can start to um, envision what any particular token uh, can be classified as. And the way that, I, that I've done this is, is creating a spectrum using the terminology that we have all been used to in the last in the in the space. So we have utility tokens and we have security tokens and we have currencies. So everyone has heard those words. These aren't a surprise. What I've, what I've done and what maybe I'm sure a lot of other people have done is put these in a single spectrum where it's like a triangle spectrum where you can be in any uh, one of three corners or somewhere in the middle. And so we have our currency tokens, which are like Bitcoin, Litecoin, Dogecoin, and DAI, Tether, stable coins where these are just trying to be currencies. It's just trying to be money and not really anything else. Then we have the utility tokens, like the basic attention token, Gollum token, uh, Sia coin, salt token. And then we have uh, the security section. And now a lot of people think that um, tokens that are decentralized are automatically not securities. And I think that's actually wrong. Uh, so the security tokens that I have in this corner are tokens like Augur, MakerDAO, Omise Go, uh, and kind of also BNB coin. And the reason why these are, uh, excuse me, Binance coin, BNB coin. And the reason why these are in the security corner is because all of these represent some sort of uh, revenue generating token for the token holder. Um, and so with the Omise Go model, you get uh, access to transaction fees on the Omise Go network. With the Augur token, you get access to the fees generated on the Augur platform. Uh, with the MakerDAO token, you get access to increased um, token valuation because of the burning of the MKR token on the secondary markets from the repayment of uh, uh, debt from the, the DAI stablecoin. Uh, and then you also have the BNB coin, which uh, kind of is a similar model where uh, Binance, it's a centralized uh, uh, security token where Binance will take some of the revenue generated from every quarter and buy BNB coin on the secondary market and burn it. Uh, so all of these represent some sort of access to, uh, to revenue created by some sort of entity, uh, whether they're decentralized or, or centralized. So these are the three different like arenas that different currency cryptocurrencies can can fall into and the thing is they're all in the same spectrum because all cryptocurrencies can represent one or another in some way usually like the utility tokens technically can be at used as money just because of the, of the liquidity of cryptocurrency and they also utilities can also be kind of securities for the reasons that we talked about earlier with uh, the alternative to the velocity problem which is how the utilities uh, represent some some sort of speculation of future use cases. But then we have the things that are truly securities, which are revenue generating assets, but those can also be used as money because of the liquidity of uh, cryptocurrencies and their utilities for accessing a decentralized network. And then there's currencies, which, you know, Bitcoin is purely a, a currency, but if a lot of people work towards uh, the adoption and you and and build on bitcoin it kind of can act as like a, a security because you are benefiting from the efforts of a third-party organization to produce a valuation value for for bitcoin so like all of these lines are super blurred and and no uh token belongs just in one uh one category it's it's kind of a, a diffuse nebulous um categorization
Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I don't 100% agree um, with kind of like your inferences, but at the same time, I definitely do... um, I do see what you're saying, right? So, like, I agree that, you know, the lines have been blurred. Um, I agree that things can be multiple. Like, there, you know, something can be an offering of security as well as some sort of a utility as well as, you know, potentially um, fuel for a system. Um, One thing, you know, one reason why something can be an offer of security but not a security at the same time is, right, so an offer of security is what makes it illegal, right? So that's saying, hey, you're going to make money if you buy this asset, um, and the way you're going to make money is because I'm going to work really hard to make this asset worth more money, but if, you know, that asset is also not, does not represent equity, then technically it is not a security you know it, it is not a security it it was an illegal offering of security but it was not a security that actually represents cash flow and equity and ownership um so a lot of these utility tokens are still very much blurring the lines and i think that um you know the the i think you know the uh what's the word i'm looking for um the verdict is the verdict is still out um you know whether they're actually you know they're actually going to represent something that's going to hold value we kind of talked about the velocity issue um but you know ultimately i still do think it's really interesting um that cryptocurrencies and blockchains are just giving a lot more things a lot more liquidity which makes them more which gives them more moneyness right you know, if if you, it's really easy to transfer Ether from my wallet to someone else's wallet, and they know that they can easily transfer Ether into dollars or Bitcoin, um, you know that makes it that makes it liquid. That makes it a current, you know, somewhat of a currency. Um, you know, it might not be a great currency. It might not be accepted everywhere, but it is a currency, even though technically it is supposed to be like this, you know, sort of smart contract gas. Um, same with, you know, Neo shares, BNB shares, Omise Go, Bat, you know, all of these things, like, we don't actually know what they are, but if they're liquid, they can be used for transactions and, and you know, and, and, and you know, moneyness. So um, it's very interesting that crypto is making things that would once have no value because they're not liquid or, um, you know, no value because they're not scarce. To all of a sudden, like you know, so many more things can be liquid and and uh, and scarce and and valuable. Um, so I'm very interested to see how that evolves, and I'm interested to see how like digital collectibles kind of fall into this spectrum too. Yeah, totally, absolutely. Digital collectibles is going to be very, very interesting when they finally start coming, if they ever do. They're already um, here, man. They're just uh, they're just not on the blockchain. In, yeah, in practice. Like, uh, well, I mean, excuse me, in theory. Well, uh, no, I mean, they're already here. Like, uh, you know, Fortnite, that's like one of the biggest games, you know, on the planet right now, and it's completely free. What people pay oh, for I is meant the like bonuses. tokenized, tokenized digital collectibles. That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, I mean, non fungible digital tokens that are, you know, collectible and can transfer from game to game. You know, that's that's been a dream for a long time. Very interested to see if it actually comes into fruition. Absolutely. 
one of the one of the cool areas about this spectrum thing that that I think is worth paying attention to are the tokens that don't actually lie in one of the corners. So so again, there are the there's the utility corner, there's the security corner, and there's the currency corner. Um, so but and then we have a project like uh, Dash, also called Digital Cash. Um, Dash is meant to be a cryptocurrency. It's mined via proof of work, but it also has this proof of stake masternode system, uh, which gives it some unique properties. Um, the proof of stake masternode system gives it some privacy uh, features, and it also uh, is the thing that allows um, a community fund to grow. And so 10% of all mined Dash coins uh, get allocated to a community fund and people can vote on what they want to do with these funds and the masternodes get to vote on who gets the dash coins to fund their endeavor and then the endeavor is supposed to be something to increase the value of the dash currency and so it's kind of a security because there's third-party effort to produce value for the platform but it's also a currency because it's meant to be digital cash yeah um, on the uh mm -hmm. go ahead yeah, no, I mean, I think that the, this idea of a, like, purely digital um, organization or a DAO, um, you know, fueled by some sort of ownership token or, you know, whatever, any sort of, like, ownership asset that, you know, potentially could be very liquid and potentially gives you voting rights, that's something that's really interesting moving into the future. Like, I really don't know what it's going to look like, but... Um, fairly optimistic. Uh, I'm fairly optimistic um, that it's coming for sure. Um, mm -hmm. You know, like again, like I'm very suspect of Dash as a as a money as an investment, but um, as an organization, it's super super interesting. Um, but yeah, I would agree. Something funny about Dash is I remember I went to the North American Bitcoin Conference in January of this year, and people were just talking about how great the CEO is. Um, and you know this guy who's who's kind of been voted to be the head of the dash or the dash organization, <laughs> and then I was reading so much shade about him on on uh, on Twitter these past couple of weeks. People apparently are really like not happy with you know how the the treasury's been handled and and all that kind of stuff. Uh, now that we've been in this kind of extended six month seven month bull uh, or uh, bear market, so. Um, there's there's still a lot of popcorn and, and fireworks to be had, you know, with Dash and, and, and with some of these organizations that have their own their own money token um, and, and kind of seeing them try to compete with Bitcoin and, and you know, and these down cycles and see if they actually survive. Yeah, totally. I, I really like the Dash uh code i do not like how it was executed uh, it could have been executed way better um you mean the pre-mine that's, that's a yeah mainly the pre-mine basically the, the founder realized that his code was you know halfway decent and so he decided to pre-mine a ton of it and now he has a lot um but you know maybe maybe you think that that doesn't matter yeah. The other topic I wanted to talk about are is the the things that I've put between the utility side of the spectrum and the currency side of the spectrum, which are the privacy coins. And I think this is actually going to cause me a lot of flack with the Monero community because the Monero com uh, community thinks that uh, Monero provides a store of value that's independent and superior to Bitcoins because of the privacy. Um, 
they kind of allude to the fact that, you know, people don't really share their bank accounts with people. And so if I were to ever send you Christian, my Bitcoin for, for buying me beer last weekend, um, you would, you would see my Bitcoin address and you would see all my funds and you would see all my transaction histories. Uh, so that's kind of something that doesn't really, um, we don't see happen with, with, uh, you know, the current legacy system. When I swipe my credit card, you don't get access to my funds or, or to the knowledge of my funds or, or how much I have. With uh, Monero, that's kind of not the case. It's something that we're kind of more used to with the privacy. But there's also the issue of uh, coming back full circle, the velocity problem. And so if you want to get clean Bitcoins and you don't want to have a Bitcoin address that has all of your transaction history on it, you can sell all of your Bitcoin for Monero and then have that gain all the privacy features of Monero and then go back to Bitcoins and get a brand new Bitcoin wallet and send all your new Bitcoins there. And boom, you're it's like it's like clearing your browser history. And so Monero kind of might suffer from this uh, uh, velocity problem velocity problem where people who want the privacy of, of the Monero but want the store of value of Bitcoin will simply sell their Bitcoins for Monero once and then go back to Bitcoin and have a brand new clean wallet. And so you're actually not incentivized to hold Monero and you can still get the features of Monero, which kind of gives it a utility function, which is why it's on the utility side of the spectrum, but it's still a currency. Yeah, um, I think I follow where you're going with that, and I understand like kind of the issues that you bring up with Monero. I think the biggest issue with Monero is that um, it can never scale at, at its current form, so um, it's only going to ever be a niche token with with mm-hmm. the current technology as it is. Um, I'm very very interested to see like the future of confidential transactions and private transactions. Um, you know, with, you know, brand new blockchains like Grin, um, and as well as mm-hmm. on, on Bitcoin, um, main chain there, you know, there are definite, um, improvements that have already been suggested, like with Schnorr signatures to help obfuscate a lot more, um, on, you know, in how the, uh, the Bitcoin signature format fa- formatting is done. Um, but you know there are other proposals um, about integrating you know technology like zk snarks or bulletproofs into bitcoin and ethereum and you know a lot of people say that the next you know kind of the next version of the bitcoin scaling wars is going to be you know the bitcoin privacy wars and confidentiality wars whereas you know all these massive companies like coinbase's um, the blockchain um, analytic companies uh, bitfury governments that might be thinking about embracing it um institutions like backed or j uh, or jp morgan chase or anyone else that you know is creating bitcoin products are going to push back on you know becoming totally private and confidential on the base layer um so i think i think it's going to be interesting i don't know if a privacy focused currency is somewhere between a currency and a utility um you know, I think the utility has to do with there's a utility inside of a closed system um, to use that token. Um, so it's almost like fabricated utility, whereas with a currency, it's just super liquid and people accept it. And, you know, some of these currencies that are like Monero and Zcash just happen to have a lot of, you know, privacy features um, to go with that security token. But it's not like providing some sort of like internal ecosystem for utility like Bat or Golem or Sia. 
well the privacy is the is the utility is the idea it's like you can buy bat to access attention you can buy monero to access privacy Mm -hmm. that's kind of the idea i was going with yeah i still think that monero could be an interesting store of value i mean i don't know i also don't think it needs to scale i think it it's gonna have it it doesn't it's not going to be bitcoin it's not going to take over the transaction volume of of anything but you know it as i was saying with with the privacy features it doesn't really need to have a huge um scaling uh you know it doesn't have to solve its scaling issues in order to succeed as a privacy coin Mm -hmm. it can continue to be like a a very slow way of of getting all of your privacy needs taken care of gotcha have you been following kind of like the talks about um, ZK Snarks with Ethereum? I know that, you know, Vitalik is an investor in the Zcash company, and he's kind of alluded to bringing Snarks to Ethereum or Ethereum 2.0. Um, have yeah, you, totally. Like, what's, That's a huge topic. Yeah. What, what's kind of the update on that? I know you are the resident Ether expert here. Okay. So let's talk about what a ZK Snark actually is. Uh, ZK sound, stands for zero knowledge which means that uh, I can tell you a secret without, or excuse me, I can tell you that I know a secret to be true without you tell, without me having to tell you what that secret actually is. Uh, so that's zero knowledge. I, t- I can prove to you that I know something without having to tell you what it is. Succinct, which is the essence narc, means that this proof that I'm about to give you is going to be t- always 288 bytes long. It's going to be 288 characters kind of like a super long private key. And then that, that, that private key of, or of sorts is going to prove to you that I know what I know without telling you that I know it. Um, non-interactive, I'm not too sure what that means. Um, argument of knowledge, which uh, just means a proof. So there's, there's two Im- ways to implement this. You can use it to um, hide information. And so it's a privacy preserving feature. So you can hide your interactions with a DAP or you can actually trim up the blockchain as it gets implemented into every block. So it's partly a scaling feature. Uh, so instead of uh, in encoding all of the information that you need to uh, produce a block, you can instead snip off very large branches of data that ne- would otherwise be included into the blockchain and you can just include the ZK snark, which one ZK snark of 288 characters long could represent you know a whole megabyte worth of data so it's a very very um uh it's like a compression algorithm for for proving something to be true uh so if you only uh, include the zk snark into a block you can fit a lot more zk snarks into a block and less actual real data and it's kind of a way to scale so there's two utilities to it Mm -hmm. well i mean it's not I don't know if utility and the utility token word is the right way to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, no, but... that was a diff- different word, different kind of use of the word utility. Yeah, yeah, but uh, two two benefits two that come features. from using two f- the the format. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of interesting how some privacy preserving features like make the blockchain way bigger, like uh, like uh, uh, was the ring C- yeah ring signatures with Monero, and then other ones like zk snarks. Um, bulletproofs, uh, you know, again, even um, even Schnorr signatures can actually compress and trim um, the blockchain. I know that one of the 
the biggest things with uh, the Mimblewimble protocol and Grin, which is an implementation of uh, Mimblewimble, is that um, you can load the entire blockchain and then um, zero it out. So essentially, is if it's correct, then it will equal then like you know the the proof will equal always zero equal zero. So once you zero it out, you can just trim. You can just cut out the what happened behind it, and that's kind of like a finality or a final state at that zero, you know, at that proof equaling zero. Um, so I know that that is, you know, uh, with a Mimblewimble, that's that's really big for privacy and for, for uh, you know, trimming blockchain size, scalability, making nodes um, easier to, uh, to operate, etc. cetera. Um, with that being said, <laughs> I'm barely a technical person, so... Um, all of our technical listeners, please don't kill me for you know all the horrible, yeah, butchering all horrible this. technical mistakes that we're yeah. <laughs> we're making. But you know, I think that we're 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 hitting, we're, we're hitting the the general ideas here. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, would love for everyone. Would, would love your comments. Than us, it should be helpful. Yeah, for those smarter than us, please give us some comments, teachings, whatever. Yeah. Maybe be a guest. Yeah, with that being said, we'd love to kind of talk about the future of uh, POV crypto. Um, I know that, you know, I kind of want to have, uh, have a couple of guests on the show, uh, you know, see what interviewing is like. Again, kind of the big thing that we bring to this uh, crypto, this crowded crypto podcast space is that, you know, we actually try to bring a diversity of opinions to one podcast. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm definitely trying to bring some experts here. Uh, like we said in the past, you know, David and I both work in the industry, so we kind of have, uh, you know, some pretty good access to to folks in the space. Um, what's something that you're excited about for the future of POV? Yeah, we first need to figure out um, the the. Mm, just kidding. Let's cut that part out. Um, I'm gonna start over. <laughs> um, as many podcasts as I listen to, none of them really seem to hit the nail on the head. Uh, I really, really appreciate Laura Shin's podcast and her access to the top minds. Um, as far as after that, though, it there doesn't really seem to be um, a podcast that represents decently technical uh, knowledge, non-hype resources of, um, of information that actually do some amount of teaching. Um, after Laura Shin... Uh, there's not really one podcast that really can teach me a lot, and so I'm 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 guess I'm creating this to to help fill that need for for other listeners who are trying to to learn while driving or going to the gym or you know doing something else. Um, so I'm trying to make this as educational as possible, both both for the listeners and also for myself. In our in my conversations with you, Christian, I'm always trying to learn everything something every every single day. Um, and I know that talking to other crypto people is the right way to do that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, totally agree with that and um, want to make it educational, want to make it fun, want to bring a lot of uh, different experiences here, and want to put on some good tunes. Um, so with that being said, I think this is a, a pretty good time for us to sign off. This is Christian on Twitter as at real life underscore CK. The podcast's Twitter is at POV Crypto Pod. Check me out. Check the pod out. Check David out. You can find me at Trustless underscore State, both on Medium and on Twitter. Check out my Medium. There's some good stuff there. I, I tend to think so. Um, and also follow me on Twitter. 
And uh, if you guys want to let us know what your point of view is, uh, let us know uh, through Twitter. Yeah, hit us up on the DMs. We'll have you on the show. There's some guests to come. Stay tuned. Peace. Peace. When the blue gold dries in the back of your mind, sniff the glue, hold your breath and fade away. Tell me what do you see? Will you deceive?